Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is a fantastic day for another interview and this interview could have not been more timely. I've got Joanne Williams with me today. She is hosting Anxiety Simplified as a podcast out there and she is a specialist in anxiety. And tell you what, guys, this week was utterly brutal for me. Um, I was working hard behind the scenes to to work towards uh, Amazon number one bestseller, and it was it was brutal. But yes, I've done it. I've done it. Um, so thank you to all of those uh, beautiful souls out there who have uh, purchased my book and made that all happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I must. Be honest with you, the amount of anxiety that I had this week was simply brutal. They, it came in waves, and at times I was hyperventilating in the toilet, and I was just sitting there and really, really, really had put the hard work in it in my mind to say, look, this is, okay, it will pass. And then the next next moment, there was the imposter syndrome. Who are you, you little chump up, you little, and you have all the negative voices, I tell you. I had a, a masterclass in anxiety this week. So thank you for the reminder, universe. Um, um, but now that I'm refreshed, I actually have got the the woman who is fighting anxiety and is teaching people out there uh, how to live with it and how to deal with it and, and maybe get rid of some of the, the reasons for it and teach them techniques how to get on with your life. So, Joanne, so timely that I've got you on. I'm dead excited. Thank you. Welcome to my show. Uh, thank you for having me. What a sweet intro. And I do still want to say congratulations. That is quite a feat. And I think we should all celebrate anything, uh, accomplishments in any way possible. But let's learn to do it a different way than with substances. And I hope that's what we can talk about today, too. I could not agree more, isn't it? Because it is, uh, it is so bizarre. The human mind, it is so hypercritical of absolutely mm -hmm. everything. And even if you do everything right, right now, three o'clock in the morning, it wants to wake you mm -hmm. up and tell you, you know what? 30 years ago, you know, in that dark night there, how did you dare speak something like that? And you think, what the... It's three o'clock in the morning. You have to play me that now. But that is our mind. <laughs> Why are we so anxious? Have you figured it out? What is going on? Yeah, I I do feel like I figured some things out, <laughs> I will say. Um, I have been a licensed mental health professional for 30 years now in the U.S. And... And I started my journey through, to be a counselor because of all the substance abuse in my family, married an alcoholic, and then go, huh? <laughs> what happened? You know, I thought I did everything right. And here I am. I'm so miserable. So I got counseling and uh, that changed my life forever. And I knew I wanted to be one. But as I've studied this, I really understand more that you know, our emotional brain starts at six months. 
And as that develops, and then our cognitive ability, not till 12, and it doesn't even catch up yet, there's a span of these years. Do you think emotional things might happen to us during that time that we may not understand on an adult level? And that's what I've really helped me and helped my clients is usually when we're looking at a situation of whatever in our life, we're usually looking at it from a child's view and, and acting even like a child about it, you know, and it, it makes us do things. It's like, huh? And those are our chances though, to look at it differently from an adult's, you've got cognitive abilities now that you didn't have to cope. You might've been struggling with God only knows as a young child, you know, abuse or trauma or any number of things that could have happened. And you just didn't have the, the thinking power to figure it out. And so when these triggers happen, we're like, what? And you kind of shrink down and maybe even feel like a little kid and, and shudder and shake, and you just don't even know what's happening. So to me, awareness, going, looking at what's going on is truly important to really open up. So true. But the problem, of course, is to, to realize what is going on. Uh, that's a conundrum. Uh, at best, most people walking around, they get a little glimpse from now and then what is actually going on in their head. But in reality, we are functioning on a reptilian brain level and anger and resentment and all these kind of things come out. How dare you talk to me? Why don't you give me the respect that I deserve? Not realizing that you're feeling hopeless and, and frustrated and helpless, just exactly the way you felt when you were four, when actually X and Y had happened. But that, no one does that automatically. And that's, no. that comes down to, to uh, there's the parallel with the question, oh, can you just stop drinking and be a recovering alcoholic all yourself without ever talking to someone else, etc. My answer is always, well, actually, you, maybe you can. I don't think so, because you don't have that, that key that opens the door so you can open it proper and have a look inside and explore what was really going on. You don't have that. So how the hell can you can you do it? You can stop drinking. Well, yeah, that is not so difficult. Uh, and then what happens? You white knuckle it. See, I don't drink. I'm absolutely mm. fine. And so now, yeah. but so how yeah. do people, what, what, well, may I may go into your story? What was your revelation? What was your eye mm. opener there? Where did you learn? Hmm okay, I need to do something here. You know, yeah, you're going to take me back <laughs> a little bit. But, you know, I feel like growing up in an alcoholic, my father was alcoholic, my mother was narcissistic. So there, and four children, I, you know, I was a child of the 60s and 70s where the father worked, he's a businessman, you go to three martini lunches, smoke cigarettes, come home, get in the lounge chair and have the newspaper and put your feet up. Kids were <laughs> not in the picture and please don't let me hear you till whatever time, you know, I'm ready to. Um, and so, I mean, children build in some, you know, most kids, when I counsel families, they blame themselves. 
my, I must have done something wrong here mm-hmm. to cause my loved, lovely father, mother mm-hmm. to, to do this. You know, we don't even have the ability to, <laughs> to think it's anybody but us. And so there is so much in there. But as I, and they, they tried to be what I would call religious even, you know, to take us to church and learn these things. But every, one, every church I went to, and I, I explored churches as a little kid to figure out answers. I was always looking. And what I finally came to when I was pretty young, I always looked for universal principles or universal laws that worked in every kind of situation. And that was a real key that I never found in a church. And I found it much later uh, with, with meditation and vibrations and looking for deeper ways to cope. And, you know, one of the reasons I think they call them coping skills means they're learned. We did not come in <laughs> with automatic ways to deal with things. We have to learn them. And that's what I learned in the counseling. That's what I learned to do the opposite of in my family uh, so that I could have a healthy, happy family, which I have. But it has taken me a journey from that first counseling session to get to where I was happy. I, I, I never recognized what a sad, when I look at pictures of myself as a little kid, what a sad little depressed kid. And it, that's hard to you know look at. But when you're living in a situation of hopelessness, kind of helplessness, what can I do? You don't have a lot of choices. And that's where I found these universal principles that I feel like freed me. And I think it's really lovely that you say that with regards to the your experience with the church. And I want to draw the line here between church and religion, because church is, is where people come together and is, is, a, is a physical construct, uh, whilst religion is obviously a, a mental and spiritual experience. So uh, it could have been different. Uh, you could have been you could have been finding love and joy in in the arms of Jesus Christ, and many people do. So it's it's absolutely great that uh, for those people who find that religious kind of vibe, and it helps them. And I'm really pleased for them. But there's so many of us out there who have not had this experience, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, we didn't have this experience. Therefore, it's hard for us to imagine the, the, the joy that people are, especially in the, more, in the more expressive churches, the hands up and all that. And there's a bit of envy in me when I, when I go with my wife to her church and, and she goes absolutely nuts in, in, in her love in, in the nicest way. But I don't have that. So therefore, it's interesting. You had a similar experience. And it didn't let you down. It didn't, it didn't, hopefully, it didn't give you the guilt or anything like that. Oh my God, I should be religious. Because I assume your parents would have tried to instill that. They would have tried to guide you the best they could. And, but then, well, how did you come across other avenues? How did you suddenly come across the vibes of the universe uh, about, about energy flows, et cetera? 
I think there was a couple places, defining moments, <laughs> maybe that I would call them. And um, one of them was, you know, I was so stressed out getting my master's degree, you know, to be able to be a counselor in school and family and divorce, um, uh, you know, just so many things like that. And I think sometimes those, for me, really drove me to find answers. And so I, I really choose now to always if anybody can always just remember, you know, if you look back at something that we called bad, <laughs> maybe five years ago, we look into it and you can see the gifts. And I always knew there's gifts in every single thing that happened to me, you know, one way or the other. And that means there's good. And I think that was the piece that kind of took me step by step, you know, into believing and finding that universal laws, the first law of physics, everything is energy. So science got kind of put in there and, and the good, what I would call a good science. I didn't not, this wasn't in school. This was like discovery of myself, you know? And once I understood if the first law is everything is energy, that means nothing dies. You know, everything is in movement. The first law of thermodynamics is everything transmutes from one form into the other. So there is that flow. And that just really taught me that even like anxiety or any kind of emotion, it will transmute, it will change into something else if it's guided to. And so that's kind of what my theory of therapy and the way to present things to people, it's not going to be like this forever. And you will find some goodness in it when you are able to. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I love it that you had that insight at a relatively early stage where many others are getting lost and are getting, getting, relying on quick help, i.e. a drink or a mm -hmm. tablet or etc. And here you are, obviously your parents were alcoholic. There's at least one or two or three genes that have come down um, from mommy and daddy and, and other rel uh, direct relatives. Here you are, you were probably set up to potentially be at a higher risk to become an alcoholic yourself. Did mm -hmm. alcohol ever play a role in your life? <laughs> Did it ever. <laughs> um, my father was alcoholic. And then I married my high school sweetheart who was alcoholic and lived that lifestyle, I'm going to call it, um, young, you know, 20s. And that was the thing to do in college. And But I, I guess I'm going to have to call this another blessing. I could not metabolize alcohol. I would throw up before I got drunk. <laughs> oh, how lucky are you? How lucky are you, girl? <laughs> so that was not fun. There, were, I, there was nothing fun yeah. about it. Yeah. However, that doesn't mean that there wasn't other substances oh. <laughs> that I could partake in. And, you know, for me, in the 70s, it was marijuana. You know, I mean, that was the thing and all that. But I'll tell you, and I feel like, you know, they say you can't really be addicted to that. I was dependent on that, mm. a mental dependent. I, I, 
I, to me, it was, I thought about it 24 seven, when was the next time and how can I, and when can I, you know? So it was that same to me feeling. Exactly. But I'll tell you what really cut it off for me. When I tried cocaine, ooh, baby, I was like, this is too fun. There's no way I'm ever going to keep doing this because of, wow, <laughs> that was the ultimate. And I stopped. I, I just, everything. Because I could just wow. see the where this was going. Uh-huh. And... And I loved my body and and I wanted to have children enough to say, like mescaline, they were doing all this psychedelic stuff. And I'm like, uh-uh, there was limits. But boy, when I felt that pleasure, <laughs> whoa, that was something I said, uh-uh. And I stopped everything. And to this day, I love your your book title or the second part of it about living what living a fantastic life and I'm going to say without substance mm-hmm. and that's what I feel like I have done now 35 or so years and one of the ways I I did it and one of the techniques I I encourage people to look at and use is see it as a horrible thing feel it as sickening. Look at it in the most, the worst way you possibly can. And the, the way that it, it treats your body, the way it hurts your heart, the way it eats your liver up and just feel what that kind of destruction does every sip or every whatever you're doing to yourself. And that really helped me to move away. Why would I want to do that to have a fantastic life that does not fit into my picture? The problem, of course, is that people, uh, yes, we are looking for this evasive, the always better, the the grass is greener on the other side, etc. We always look for something better, better, better. And the alcohol is promising it. But Mm. far more importantly, the alcohol numbs the pain. And there is often so much pain in people's lives that they can't see the joy. They can't see that they have to do, that they have to learn certain skills to actually move forward into a position where they can live a joyful life. Instead, they only feel the pain and they want that pain to stop. And mm-hmm. that pain can come in so many nuances, and but often with such intensity that you can't think of tomorrow and what a joy it would be to actually wake up without a hangover. The only thing you can think about now is your anxiety, your rage, your helplessness, your all those kind of things, the shame and the guilt that, you know, and if one is not there, then the next one comes along and says, well, you're still feeling good. I can change that. Uh, And then that's where the alcohol comes in or the drugs come in or the Mariana comes in. I certainly can can remember the the peace and tranquility that Mariana uh, gave me as a young man. Oh, that is nice. Beautiful sunset. And mm-hmm. half an hour would go and, oh, it's still a beautiful sunset. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's a peaceful thing. I mean, if for crying out loud, I come from Germany, uh, next door to the Netherlands, where Mariana is, is like in a coffee shop. It, the coffee shop is actually a Mariana shop. So, yes, we went across once a year, had a beautiful weekend. And in all fairness, uh, I've never, never, never seen a fight in a coffee shop. Uh, I've seen many fights in in bars. Um, So, yeah, yeah, some some things to be said about that. 
but it's still very much mm -hmm. a mind-numbing thing. And that's what you want to be. You want to be numb of the pain. That's why I give a local anesthetic. It numbs the pain. Well, no surprise that some people actually want to do that as well with whatever substance works for them mm -hmm. or they can get their hands on. And, you know, look at all the temptations everywhere. Just even look at the drama of life, you know, on TV or whatever. That's a temptation and it takes us down a way that's out of our reality and out of that way of life. And, you know, there's so many different ways that it can take us. But I think for me, when I knew it was sooner or later, I will need to learn some skills. I will need to know how to deal with the actual issue, which is like you're saying, the pain. And that's really, to me, again, about learning about how emotions work and how they really are just there to give you information, to give you a piece, half of a puzzle of your emotions, you know, that anger really is about a boundary. If you listen, instead of that, oh, they're weak. There is that, again, that temptation or whatever, oh, to move away from that. Oh, I don't want to feel this. But I think we've just been misled so much. And when you... When you when you when you take the discovery process seriously, when you're ready, and I think that's really important for all of us. We can't force anything down anybody's throat, nor I do I want to. But I think at some point you make a decision, enough is enough. And when you do that, I'm telling you, the horses can't hold you back. I mean, yeah. it's a wonderful journey. And I, I think there, there was one message I, I like is, you know, when you start to feel emotions, they think they're so bad as you imagined they're going to because, you know, that alcohol or that substance, it's really, and especially, you know, if we're learning this from a, from a young age or we started drinking, we know all those facts about young, younger drinking really hurts our brain and our emotional growth and all those things. But what I see it also, it just stunts your emotional scale, if we call it, from extreme love and joy and happiness to the depth <laughs> of despairs. And it just brings us into this very narrow area that we don't even get to experience life. And there is so much life to experience out there when you're ready to look at what it is from an adult's perspective of that emotional pain. Because you've just been looking at it usually from a little child's view. I can't. I don't know what to do. It'll hurt too much, you know? An adult doesn't think like that. They go, oh, that's a problem. Okay, let's look at you know what, ways to deal with this. I've got an emotional side. I got, I got rational abilities. I figure out lots of things at work. I can figure this out too. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. And it's very, very true. Mm -hmm. And it is taking the emotion out of emotion. Uh, so to speak, it is the, the <laughs> no, it is, it's honestly, it is emotions are part of you. And I was getting always so upset about negative emotions. And when I actually look back at this week, I mm -hmm. sitting, literally sitting in the toilet, hyperventilating <laughs> like that. And I actually, and I just found myself looking at myself. There was no guilt. There was no shame. 
there was no no negative emotion about being weak or something like that. I just recognized that 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 was the adrenaline rush that got the better of me and the cortisol and all the other uh, fight and flight hormones. And I accepted it for the wave that it was that was washing over me. And there's nothing I could do about this wave. And certainly to get angry about a wave in the ocean, eh, that doesn't make sense. The wave comes and goes. And there it was, actually. And, and thinking about that particular moment, if it would have lasted 30 seconds, then it was a long time. And mm -hmm. it was just accepting that I knew it would get better in a moment. And within 30 seconds, yep, okay, now ready, cool back to work. And that was actually, with hindsight, a very powerful thing. I had a little bit of a smile on my face when I walked out of the toilet stall. Uh, and now that I actually reflect on that, I had already known on a reptilian level, well done, man, you actually did really yeah. good there. And celebrate. <laughs> celebrate, isn't it? Isn't it? And we don't, we do not celebrate. Uh, because Why? we hear that other voice of your mother, your father, your brother. You say, How come you? Why can't you do it like that? Like Johnny does. Or I mean, these old, old voices that we need to go. No, blinders on. No, thank you. I don't need that voice anymore. This is who I am now. And this is what I choose. Our intention is powerful. When you choose and you move, you choose to go into a direction, it is like, get out of my way. And that's what you did this week. And, and that's what's to be so celebrated. Yeah. If anybody listening to this, can you imagine not only taking the time to write a book, publish it, and then try to get it out there to the world through Amazon is not an easy platform to get books out on. You really have to know a lot of different things to do this. And to, and then of course, it before you get to that climax, if we want to call it of that, yeah, I did it. You're like questioning, oh my goodness, what if I And that's what creates the panic. You know, it's all that flood of all the other things that have happened in your life that didn't work out or that somebody said, or, and they come so fast and furious. It is impossible almost for your brain to, to uh, move it that fast. And that's really what a panic attack is. It's just a wave, like you said, and it leaves you. And, but what you said was so powerful because it's a message. It is a message from your body that, okay, at the moment, things are a little bit hectic, fair call. Um, but there's also the message attached to it. Actually, I, it has been quite a few hours that you actually had some sensible food. And I mm. don't think you have drinking much. So therefore, your body is already a bit on the back foot because your body thinks, wow, I will now starve to death because you haven't fed mm -hmm. me. Therefore, there's already that kind of reptilian brain thinking, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And that is maybe not so clever. So I took that as a lesson. I went, had That's some good. food, had some water, rehydrated, uh, did a bit of mindfulness. It, uh, you just took a deep breath. I took a deep breath. Made <laughs> <laughs> a breathing exercise. That's right. Yes. And suddenly, bang, I was back to a functioning level where I could deal with the adrenaline and said, okay, 
you've done everything that you can, it's now in the hands of others. So it's that kind of pathway, recognizing what it is, anxiety, it's a, a wave and it's a message from your body. So don't deny it, don't be, feel guilty, feel grateful about it because it tells you something. It tells you that you have got work to do. And the work might be as simple as a glass of water and, and, and a bit of, of reflection there, or it might be actually a bit more where, again, you can say, mm -hmm. thank you very much. I'd forgotten that there is this festering bloody belief system in, my, in me that dates back to Young's when I was still playing with little toy cars. And it is so important to, to recognize that, isn't mm -hmm. it? Absolutely. And, and I, what I'm hearing you in that is you managed, you know, your anxiety, you managed the emotional wave, and then you recognize that I, my body needs something. This not, may not be just pure emotional. You know, I, we all have to do a lot of self-care. And I think the noticing when we deny things, you know, we miss out on an awful lot even just those body signals or what to do. Because I believe like you're just saying the messages are in each one of your emotions and, you know, anxiety is to get prepared, get ready. We need to have something to tell us, uh Oh, <laughs> something may be happening here. I need to prepare because I'm not sure if that tiger is going to come at me or not way back when now it's not the tiger, but, it's, am I going to succeed? Am I going to get on? Am I going to get my, my message through? You know, is it going to work? And that, you know, does create these things. But, you know, we've got the abilities now. And I think that's the cognitive ability. You know, we're not little kids anymore. If we, if we allow that time, like you're saying, to breathe. Sometimes, have you heard Mel Robbins' um, five-second uh, five rule? I gotta really like it. It's um, five, four, you say five, four, three, two, one, and then do something like breathe. Like, or if you're a procrastinator, five, four, three, two, one, go do it now. Do not wait. So it doesn't give that lower part of your brain the, the time to say, don't do it. You know what happens when, you know, so it's one of those. And I like it, but even I just, you know, as you did that, five, four, went breathe. Just breathe is a really good one yeah. too and go yeah. get water mm. take a break that's right don't stress but those of you out there maybe who who have done a bit of acting etc in in maybe at school things like that you might recall uh, exercises where you put yourself in a power stance where you actually oh, go yeah. Arr, yeah. Arr, and you oh, actually that's right. No, I can do that. I can do that. I do that so often in front of the mirror. So often because it is, it looks macho and looks stupid, but it gives me that little bit of, oh, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Oh, fuck you. Yes. Yes, you're good enough. You can do it. Come on. Let's take this day. You can do it. Just that little go. That movement gives me power. So again, there are other techniques that you guys can learn to break through something. And it is, it is the mindfulness, but it can be as simple as putting your body into a certain state, like this power stance or that I'm very successful. Might be something like that. Some stance that you say, wow, 
this guy, this dude is cool. Or this girl, wow, she has got her act together. That is something where, where which you need to figure out. And then when you when you do certain stances and think, wow, that feels good. Hey, did you just make the connection? You did something, it makes you feel good. Hey, so next time you don't feel good, why not take that stance and think, hmm, okay. Little trick does a hell of a lot of good. And no, of course not. You you can't go in the in the middle of a board meeting. Ha <laughs> uh, ha! Maybe go to the toilet, do it there. <laughs> what was it? There was one of these films where the cone of silence comes down, and everyone uh, in this cone of silence can do whatever they want. And and our hero there, he had this cone of silence in this meeting there, and he let out a rip. Yes, I did it! I did it! I told the buggers, yay! And the, to- uh, the the cone of silence was defect, so everyone heard it. So not a good idea. Not a good idea. Oh, <laughs> exactly. So, oh. guys, do you hear? Do you hear? There are little things that you can do to change your emotions. They don't have to to completely override everything you are or what you want to be. There are ways that you can learn, there are skills you can learn, there are insights you can develop, which put you on the forefoot, not on the back foot, not on the receiving end of yet another slap from the universe. No, guys, you're in control. So you, Joanne, you learned that the hard way because you mm-hmm. actually went through a lifetime where you were not in control. You then went mm-hmm. out there to actually learn the techniques. You became a counselor. You, you, you delved into that and you lived and breathed it. And now you're sharing it because so tell us, tell us a bit about anxiety simplified because mm-hmm. that Thank is you. such a beautiful, beautiful movement. Thank you. You know, when COVID hit, um, beginning of the year, and I just felt like it's time to do more and give more free information. And here I've been doing this for 30 years, and it's like I've been one on one with somebody, you know, in an office for this, you know, a long time. And I feel like it's time for me to come out of the office, <laughs> you know, and offer myself to the world. <laughs> out of the office thing. or out of the closet? Let's, let's define it. <laughs> I'm not out of the closet. I'm in an office. It might be a closet, though, the size of some of them. But <laughs> really, you know, but it's the same kind of feeling. Like, I- I've just done this one-on-one. I've never really put myself out there in this way. And I feel like, well, you've got all this 30 years. Why aren't you doing more? And um, so this friend, I really believe in the law of attraction and it's, it's just drawn me, you know, where I need to go because of my intentions. And a friend said, oh, come on, we're going to, I was doing this class where they, come on, I'm going to go talk to this guy about podcasting and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And that was March and June. I had one up and I was doing it and writing and sharing and I am just loving it. it. And I feel like it's just like another step in a way to share more of what all of us have to share with the world. And I think it's just time we all do more of it. I just don't want any of us to to hold back now. It's the time. 
And that's why I'm doing Anxiety Simplified as techniques. I just talk with wonderful people like you and I get to have people on there. This week I was ready for an interview with a young man who is a master's level um, social worker who is autistic and transgendered. And the stories he has, it's just like what he has overcome in transitioning and with autism and getting his master's degree and all the things I'm like, wow, I want to be around these people. (laughs) So it's just like, I, you know, we're all kind of so-called sheltered in place, but you know, I get to be with you in New Zealand and, and here I am in the US, there is no stopping us. That's indeed it, isn't it? It is, we are creating our own tribes, our own communities, when, in which we can support each other, in which we can be honest with each other. Just that yeah. opening up and, and letting your mask down is such a beautiful thing. And whilst it feels a bit strange here to do that to everyone out there, uh, how refreshing is that actually? To not pretend, to not... Mm. Uh, just tell another lie. I've lied so much in my life when it came to my addiction. I've hidden so much. I come now to a point that I truly don't want to do that anymore. I, mm-hmm. I always considered myself a straight arrow and honest to sometimes painful extent. I've changed a bit. So my honesty is hopefully no longer painful, mm-hmm. uh, but more revealing and more there to to teach others and with teach not in a negative sense i just share my story and you can either listen or not or you can either learn from it or not but i trust that by listening to to joanne and me that maybe we can plant some seeds that we can actually open your eyes towards the possibility of living with anxiety managing it and not letting it run your life Mm-mm. And maybe demystifying it a bit and demedicalizing it a bit because mm-hmm. it's great to have it. It's great to have anxiety because it tells you something. It's a warning system. It's, so it's actually without it, we would have not survived our caveman mm-hmm. years. So it's there. We just need to learn that the email and the, the whatever, the, some, whatever someone said somewhere on Facebook yeah, it's not really a tiger, is it? Okay, and we need to learn that. So, but I've got to tell you, that's freedom. Hmm. Everything you just described, when you open up, like you're saying, and you feel this, to me, that's when you know what true freedom feels like. And it's a wonderful feeling. And I can't encourage people enough. And you know, something as I read your book and I listened to your podcast also. I, it made me really reflect where I came from. You kind of forget when you move through and you're feeling better. You forget what that feels like again. And I, and it was very powerful hearing your things. And I just really felt it so emotionally. And then I could use those techniques I've learned today with energy medicine and other ways to be able to just come back to me and let that just leave and feel back to that freedom and talk about that power. You know, it's like when you can be proud again in that good sense and, and know for sure what you know now works, it is just fantastic. Is it not? No. But I saw just a little other 
big trick that you have got in your repertoire and that little <laughs> trick was running behind you and it's a little white fluff ball so we need to talk about another another little topic here that can actually be rather rather beneficial my fluff ball is about 40 kilogram and it's a huge golden retriever uh your little little munchkin there is a little smaller but i think the the power and the beauty of animals uh, is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I, I want to change mm. our 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 topic a little bit because this is emotional support animals are such a beautiful movement that I actually don't know much about. Mm. What I do know is that when I come home and there is this big, slobbering, gorgeous <laughs> animal there that just gives me all the love that I possibly could ever wish for. And it's completely unconditional. It's just, hey, daddy, I'm glad you're home. Wow. Uh. That's it. And, you know, I fell into, um, under you know, in the U.S., we seems like we restrict everything, um, but one of them, you know, was about um, bringing your animals in different places. And um, so, about seven years ago, I kind of fell into understanding about an ESA program that actually a flight attendant told me about when I was on a plane and I was having anxiety and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did have a little dog, but he was in a bag stuffed under the seat. You know, you can have him put underneath there, but that was just, that was making it worse. And so the flight attendant told me about the program. You know, if you get this letter from a mental health professional, you can have your little dog in your lap the entire time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I had been a therapist at that point for 25 years and never knew about it. So seven years ago, I started certifying my clients to have an emotional support animal. And I cannot believe as one of the simplest ways ever to calm anxiety, uh, flying any, almost anywhere. I, I cannot believe how many war veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder use their animals even just to go visit family. They would refuse to even go out of the house. And it, it was just amazing to me. Social phobia it was, is another one that, again, is just being in social situations, how much they've shown. And I hear it every day with clients. And, and, and I've gotten to where I just call them an icebreaker. <laughs> when you take your animal with you into it, even in a dog park, <laughs> you know, people will talk about it that, do you talk to people? Mm, indeed. Come out of your shell. Indeed. How bizarre is that, isn't it? You walk, <laughs> as you say, in the dog park, even if you don't want to, you can't actually help yourself because they say, oh, you he's can't. so cute. Oh, how old is he? And so on and so on. And suddenly you, you find yourself talking to some people and... <laughs> guess what? It doesn't hurt that you actually talk to them. And somehow, if you're all grumpy and sort of thinking and anxious and someone says, oh, he's so cute. And you look down and you suddenly think, yes, he is so cute. <laughs> so, you know, I hear you. you. I hear you. <laughs> and, you know, it's really even interesting, the really great research that has been done on mm animals and dogs mostly. But one of my last podcast, number 11, I believe it is, 10 benefits even to having an animal and their health benefits. 
And it was really surprising to me that that comes about, you know, that we actually can get health benefits, you know, from our animals. But it's so true, um, you know, lowering our blood pressure, um, even immune system health. I guess we share some gut st- stuff together and, and it helps um, our, our own immune system. And one of the other ones was 10 minutes of petting your animal, I think it could be a kitty cat or a dog, can actually lower your stress level, cortisol levels, and they measured, you know, and they measured these. So it's it's not just me as kind of somebody who loves animals, you know, saying these things, they actually have some really, really good research on this. And an interesting one here, you know, we have uh, Medicare for health services after you're 65. And they actually showed a 30% uh, reduced doctor's visits oh. for people who had a pet. And, and they measured it over a year period. And that's what they found. And, you know, even battling depression, animals give us a purpose you know, and meaning to our lives. And so I feel like animals actually save us <laughs> probably more. Oh, this is kind of a sad one, but I've heard this so many times from clients that were ready to commit suicide and their animal came in the room and looked them in the eye. They couldn't do it. So many people have told me that and that our animals are that meaningful to us. So you know, for us, what I do is help people so they can have their animal to fly with them or be in what we call no pet housing. They can't stop them. There's two laws that protect them. And so it's a huge benefit. I feel like Beautiful. I have fallen into. <laughs> Beautiful. And and again, we have got, I mean, we have today already explored what 10 different ways how anxiety <laughs> can be improved so guys if you're listening to that out there and you feel helpless and hopeless well you know there's so much out there where people like joanne can be of assistance where uh, if you you know you just need to look around you need to talk to maybe your gp start with that if you don't want to, to work via Zoom or, or so, uh, go to your GP and say, look, I'm really struggling and that is what is happening. And don't tell you what, they will not just automatically write a prescription to feed you some yeah. tablets. No, they will actually explore what's going on with you. So they will actually say, hey, look, you know, there is this and this group that you may wish to go to and have a look or a distance health professional, like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, depending upon what's going on in your life, there will be support services there. And you typically have no clue that they are there because mm-hmm. you think it's all, oh no, it's only me. And it's, it's just, no one could ever feel like me. <sighs> no, <laughs> rest yeah. assured. The chance of, of major depression in your lifetime, one in three. The chance of anxiety amongst young people, one in five, one in four. So there are so many people who feel exactly mm-hmm. as rotten as you are. And therefore, there are actually a lot of people out there who can be of benefit. 
who can be of help. And the only challenges that you need to figure out who these people are, make contact and see with whom you gel. Is there some people you think, oh, yeah, right. And there are other people that automatically, whatever they say becomes law for you because you so, so have the same vibes coming up. So if... And I was just going to say, ask. You know, you've got to open your mouth and ask for what you want. And you will find it. Guaranteed. Again, that is a universal law. <laughs> Open thy mouth and say something. It will come to you. You got to listen <laughs> as part of it, but it will for sure. So, but you got to do that piece, you know? <laughs> and it's not for nothing that in, in the 12 step program, step one is you need to recognize that enough is enough. Step two is that you need to recognize that you alone can't figure it out. And step three is you need to ask for it. You actually need to go out there. So true, so true, so true. See, however you package it up, it comes down to the same thing. Open your bloody mouth and and, and and don't take the mask down and say, oh, for crying out loud, I can't anymore. It's getting all too much. And, and you know, can you help me figure that out? Okay. It's not, can you over-medicate me? Uh, or can yeah. you, can you rub some yeah. crystals when I really don't believe in that? No, it is just help me figure it out because there are many, 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 many different ways how you can figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. And you know, I, I did this, I started doing a Facebook live on Saturdays at one because I feel like there's just so many little pieces of information that can just be put out there. You know, one that I did last week is on the back of our insurance cards in the US, there's an 800 number for the mental health services that your insurance helps pay for. And I can't tell you, I swear nobody knows that. I mean, it sounds so simple. But if you don't know about it, how are you going to use it? One 800 number. You just look around. There's an 800 number available to you. Excellent. Well, that's actually a whole whole video and a whole uh, podcast in its own right. I like that. I like that. I might just have to steal that idea from you, Jen. Um, I you think do that. that is there are a lot of things that that my listeners won't know. And of course, it's hard because there will be listeners from the United States here. There will be yeah. listeners from Europe, etc. So we can't go into the specifics of one Mm-mm. country. But Mm -mm. the same principles do apply in every single country because mental health is not related to USA or to Asia Mm -mm. or to to the Pacific. No, we all, we all are (sighs) challenged, shall we say. Uh, We all uh, have got our fair share of obstacles to overcome. And some of us are still stuck at some of these obstacles and they seem insurmountable. But no, they are Mm. not. They are not. You just need a team, a team to teach you, a team to guide you, a team to connect with you, a team that becomes your tribe where you say, Mm -hmm. okay, life, is that all you can throw at me? Don't take it as a challenge, but oh, don't on. ask for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> <Wait>. right. <laughs> exactly, the gods up there are already sharpening their knives. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, that's right. Jan, if people really gel with you and they like what they heard, how can they get hold of you? 
How can they get in Sure. And, and what I want to offer too, I have a uh, website, anxietysimplified.net. And on there, I offer a free resource and I can actually put it up here. Maybe you can see it. And this is what you can see. But it's really three secrets that move you out of fear and getting stuck. It's a free resource that they can download. They can start this process themselves about looking towards what they want instead of you know saying, well, I don't want to do this. And I know, what do you want? And it just helps to focus and clarify. So there's resources and, and there's other resources there as well. And, and there'll be other things coming up. So, you know, just always keep looking for new things that are always available. And I'm going to be doing some webinars and classes and things like that, because I think it's skill building. Isn't it? So true. Mm -hmm. So true. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, you please let me know when your webinars are and you may just have me as in your audience there. (laughs) Because guess what, guys, even if you think you have got it sussed, Every single interview I do, there is something new I learn. Every mm. single single webinar I take, every single person I talk to, there is a revelation there. There is a, a secret there that I had not appreciated. I mean, it might have been in plain sight for the most of my life, but mm-hmm. suddenly just that little click and you think, damn, now I know. And it's that aha moment that is just don't deprive yourself of that. Just open mm-hmm. yourself up to those things, learn about your emotions, and and suddenly you might find your life is changing. And it's I can virtually guarantee it's changing for the better. So it's yes. an amazing, amazing life waiting for you out there. So Anxiety Simplified, that's your podcast. And do you have a website? anxietysimplified.net or Perfect. .com. Perfect. But either one will get you there. Cool. And you guys just look down there in the description of the podcast and the YouTube video because it will be in there. Joanne, I'm so happy that we had this talk this morning. Uh, we, we turned out to be quite like-minded in our spirits and in our experiences, however different our backgrounds are. But it's just amazing how we all learn to, or how we all end up in a similar kind of frame of mind with similar tools and we just adapt them to our own lives and make them work for us. And that's such Mm -hmm. a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. So you listeners out there, if you if you like what you hear, listen to the other uh, podcasts uh, on Anxiety Simplified as well as on My Steps to Sobriety. I've put in my YouTube channel, I've put playlists in there that specifically look at topics mm. that are of interest to you. Because we have got, meanwhile, we have today, this is, I think, our 85th interview that I have done. So, so there's a lot of beautiful information out there. So if you're specifically interested in anxiety, PTSD, um, sexual abuse, these kind of things, hard topics, there will be certain, fa- uh, certain playlists there that guide you and give you a choice a bit quicker to what you listen to. Uh, but there's... There's so many beautiful souls out there who have become transparent, such as Joanne. So go out there, guys, say hello to Joanne. Uh, Say hello to a new mindset and say hello to changing your belief systems 
in such a way that they do no longer hold you back, but they actually allow you to live the life that is so beautiful that that drugs or alcohol have simply no place in your new life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. So Thank you to, for having me. It was an absolute honor to end. Look after yourself. And you all there out there, you look after yourself as well. Have a fantastic time. Bye. Bye.